Welcome to Heart to Heart with Michael, featuring your host, Michael Lieben. Our program is designed to empower the bereaved community with information and stories from those who have suffered the most terrible loss. Michael himself, a bereaved father, will be meeting with people from around the world to share and to draw hope from their experiences. And now, here is Michael Lieben. Welcome to the eighth episode of the first season of Heart to Heart with Michael, a program for the bereaved community. Our purpose is to empower members of our community with resources, support, and advocacy information. Today's show is Living with Loss After Loss. Here with us today to discuss this topic are our guests, Jackie Renfro and Willa Dean Gist. For those of you who listened to last month's program, this show will give you the rest of the story. Last month, we talked to Jackie and Willadine about losing loved ones to a misdiagnosis, and today we're going to talk to them about what it has been like for them living with loss after loss, and I'll say after loss again. Jackie is a mother and a grandmother of children who have had or currently have long QT syndrome. Willadine, Jackie's mother, grew up in the shadow of a loss to long QT syndrome because her father died from this genetic heart problem. Jackie's grandfather, Willadine's father, had seizures and died unexpectedly in his sleep. Jackie's mother also started experiencing seizures at a young age. When Jackie had her children, Jimmy and Chrissy, no one expected both of them to also die at a young age. Since her devastating losses, Jackie has been raising awareness of long QT syndrome and having her family and others tested for it. Jackie's granddaughters are currently being treated at Riley Hospital, and several family members are also going through genetic testing now. So welcome back to Heart to Heart with Michael, Jackie, and Willardine. Pleasure to see you. Hi, Michael. Thanks for uh, having us back. Oh, it's a, I'd like to say it's a pleasure. Willa Dean, tell us about the losses that you experienced as a child. Well, the only loss I, I experienced as a child was my dad. Mm-hmm. He was 26, and he died, died unexpectedly in his, his sleep. But my grandmother told me later that he had had uh, walk-in typhoid and all this stuff that you know, they had names in it that, because they didn't know what people had. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he went to bed that night, and, and my mother woke up the next morning. He was dead beside her. What what year was that? That was 1932. But you know, see, in, in the 1930s, it was a disgrace to have uh, seizures. Really? You, 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 yeah, you you were very secretive about it. Well, why so? And, uh, well, because people were ignorant. They just, they didn't know any better. Well, I was only three, so I didn't really know my dad that well. But it was a uh, it was a hard struggle. My, my grandparents raised me. My mother remarried, and uh, it didn't work out with him. And people were very poor in those days. There just wasn't very much money. And uh, so uh, after she married this other man, she was pregnant with another child. And so I went to the grandparents. Jackie. Yes. Tell us a little bit about the losses that you experienced as a child. I do remember her, um, her cousin, Mary Alice, passing away from a seizure. She was very young. She was only probably 28, 29, and she had four children. What I'm trying to build here is a picture of a family that's surrounded by, if not constant loss, then the threat of constant loss or a constant threat. 
and, and how that affects your life and how you go up from day to day and do the things that you need to do, knowing that any day could be anybody. It's very difficult. Um, it was more when we hit the later 90s that there were began to be a lot of losses. And, of course, that was being my kids. I lost my dad, but that was due to cancer and my brother-in-law that was also cancer related. Um, But of course in 2000, then we lost Jimmy and 2002, we lost Chrissy to long QT, which we believe is long QT now. I'm pretty sure because two young people aren't going to pass like that in their sleep. There has to be a reason. I understand. Well, tell me also about as you got older and when you began losing more people in your family, specifically uh, your grandchildren, what is that for you? I mean, you see a connection that goes back to your father that goes down as far as your grandchildren. It's horrible. You know, you, you, all of a sudden they come over and knock on my door and, and my, my grandson's dead. He's gone. Then a couple of years later, my granddaughter, but the same mother, and you think, well, what, what's going on? What's happening here? And then finally, when when I found out what I really had, we connected it all. But then we were too late um, to save Jimmy and Chrissy. We were two, 10 months from saving Chrissy. Just 10 months. I have to imagine that that is probably the most difficult reality to face, is that you're that close. Then, well, and I have to tell you, the other uh, difficult reality was for them to put a life-saving device in me when my children were gone. That just wasn't fair to me. Do you feel any sense of survivor's guilt? Absolutely, yeah. Yes, I do. Tell me a little bit about that. Um, I'm not as bad now as I used to be, but probably the first 10 years of their loss was the worst for me. I just couldn't understand why I was here and they were courses, you know, being a parent and you lose a child, you're, well, it's not supposed to happen that way. Um, I'm a grandparent. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I certainly understand that. And when we come back after the break, I want to talk a little bit about that. So we have to take a break. But when we get back, we'll be talking with Willadine and Jackie about perpetual grief and perpetual loss and how they deal with it when we return to Heart to Heart with Michael. Hi, I'm John Montez of NBC's hit acapella show, The Sing-Off. In acapella music, it takes a team to create a sound that many will enjoy, just like it'll take a team to help my good friend Miles Schweitzer, an HLHS survivor. Let's help Miles fulfill his dream and make a big enough sound to bring awareness to congenital heart disease. Please visit them at GoFundMe.com backwards slash The Miles Project. Miles with the Y. Again, that's GoFundMe.com The Miles Project. This is for Miles. You are listening to Heart to Heart with Michael. If you have a question or comment that you would like addressed on our program, please send an email to Michael Lieben at Michael at Heart to Heart with Michael.com. Now, back to Heart to Heart with Michael. Welcome back to Heart to Heart with Michael. Today we've been talking with Willa Dean Gist and her daughter Jackie Renfro about the losses they have experienced in their lives. Now we turn our attention to how they've dealt with perpetual loss and perpetual grief. Willa Dean, I cannot imagine what it's like living with that much loss. Almost everybody associated with this program has lost somebody or we wouldn't be here. And still, I cannot imagine 
what it would be like to to be under that specter so often. How do you deal with that perpetual loss? How do you get up in the morning and say, okay, I'm just going to go ahead? How do you do it? Well, I've lived for so many years. I I actually wonder why the good Lord let me live. I have this picture of you sort of standing still and people older than you and people younger than you for three, maybe four generations are, are falling away unexplicably and young and you're, and you're not, do you, do you feel like, why, why am I here? Why, why? Yes. Why did it skip me? Yes, I do. I I wonder uh, why I lived and, and they died. Yes. Do you feel some kind of survivor's guilt? Do you, are you? No, no, I don't feel that. Mm-hmm. I just feel like I'm lucky I found out when I did mm-hmm. so that other people could be saved. But no, I, I don't feel guilty. How do you deal with um, with that kind of loss and that kind of constant grieving? Do you, at times of trouble, do you turn to prayer? Do you, do you I know I personally, I, I run away to humor and I make the worst jokes possible, but that's what keeps me alive. And, and what, are, what are the things that you do just to, to go forward? Well, I don't feel like there's very much forward for me to go. I'm 88. <laughs> when you were only 68, how did you get up? How did you keep, you know, what was the thing that said, I'm okay, I'm just going to go forward? I had to. I, I didn't have any choice. I had I had to survive. I, I wanted to survive. Mm-hmm. I wanted to live as long as possible. But, but I hate for my grandchildren to be gone, you know. And I hated it when when I found out that uh, this cousin had died. I knew her mother that had passed away with, I'm sure, the same thing. And it it made me sad to think that they were... Well, pardon me for saying so, but so dumb that they wouldn't listen. Let me let me just fill up that story because I think it, it's a little bit lost. Uh, this is a, a relative who you suspected had lung QT and you told them to get checked and they refused. Is that correct? Right. The sense I get from you is that you're a very strong-willed person, that, that you don't see any real choice except to get up in the morning and, and do whatever needs to be done. That's all I can do. Jackie, I want to ask you the same thing. Where do you go? What what drives you? What what helps you get up in the morning? Uh, well, I really uh, am active in my job. I mean, my job, I just throw myself into my work. Mm-hmm. Uh, my family, my grandchildren, my mom. Um, I know I have people that do need me here on Earth. and But, however, I try to bring as much awareness as I can to this to try to help other people or try to help other people with my loss. But I, I'm not going to lie and say that I don't have days that I just want to lay in bed and feel sorry for myself, because I do. I want to do that quite often, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I have days where I wonder why I have to hurry and go to work. Why can't I just do... I would love to just be able to bring awareness, um, have kids' hearts screened, do, get paid for what I love to do, what I'm passionate about. So it's that passion that drives you, though? That's the, the passion of helping others is what what keeps you moving forward? Yes, and I have to do it because it's I honor my kids every time I bring a little bit of awareness. And then 
that does not make their death won't be in vain mm. if I continue to save other people with their law, their tragedies. Let me go one step further. One of the worst or one of the hardest questions that people ask me is how many children do you have? And I want to say now, or I want to say, well, I used to have three. Uh, well, how do you answer that? Oh, that's a tough one. For a long time, it was kind of sad because have you ever heard that saying you have to tell your story a hundred mm-hmm. times over? Mm-hmm. I would almost tell people and look at their look on their face and have to try to grasp that it was that bad. Now I kind of uh, avoid the question mm-hmm. and have other people tell them the story. And I kind of dance around it or I even use a phrase that my children reside in heaven. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I, I I once uh, worked on a film about a, a family that lost a son to war. And he said, the father said, I still have five children. Just four of them are here. And one of them is um, invisible. They're waiting on me. They're waiting on you. So you have, you know, when you pass that you'll be with the other ones. Well, this is also true. Not everybody goes that way. Not not everybody wants to take take that as a as a as a as a working supposition but i agree with you i think that there's a as a father who's lost a child i have the sense of it's temporary i have the sense that we'll somehow all be together i Um, agree with you you know on the one hand that's nice for me and for her but some terrible things have to happen for all of us to be together so I, i i try to avoid that that direction although i i agree with you i think that's definitely a part of it well, as you well know, from the loss of a child, uh, it, there's so many different phases to it, from anger, um, emotional. Uh, I, I wasn't even eating at one point. I probably weighed 90 pounds. So I've just been through so much. I remember having road rage on my way to work, and I definitely recommend people not to do that. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. I definitely, <laughs> but I just, I definitely agree. You understand what I meant, don't you? That the anger was built up so much that you just can't understand why a young child would be gone. Well, I, actually, I have a lot to say there, too, and, and I'll, I'll try to be short. But one of the best things that happened to us, and we, we lost her over a very short time, took about three, three, four days. And when and she was living far away from us. So, But when we got there and she was in hospital, it's about an hour, almost two-hour drive, and uh, – Luckily for us, there was a wonderful, wonderful doctor who put us immediately into the picture. He said, you have two choices, bad and really bad. And you should know that really bad is that she might wake up. And at at some moment right there, I skipped over anger and denial and went almost straight into acceptance for the rest of the three days, which was good because I helped ease the rest of the family over that. Um, But not everybody has that experience, and I think we were very lucky. But let me ask you something that I cannot absolutely understand in in any way. I lost a child, and I love her dearly. You lost both of your children. What does that mean? How do you how do you even cope with that? Um, I honestly think, in my brain, um, I have to grieve for one child or the other. I cannot grieve for both children at the same time. Really? So you will hear me focusing on one or the other, and for years, I couldn't understand why. Now I realize that that is a coping mechanism to keep your sanity, I believe. Mm-hmm. You have to bounce around. Um, but I have had horrible dreams 
my son would be drowning and I would run and save him. I would get him up and he would be breathing and my daughter would go under the water and be drowning. And I just did this and I was exhausted the next day. And, and you understand what that's like. And then you, I've dreamed and they're coming to me and I see him and I wake up and you have that sense that you saw him and you Mm. feel good for a little bit that day to realize it was only a dream or when you try to go to sleep at night and you jump and you realize that you're never going to see him again, which that does get a little bit better with time, I believe, to some extent. I think everybody feels, everybody approaches that differently. I, I have seen my daughter in dreams and I have seen her around and uh, I'm not generally the kind of person that goes that way. I, I mean, it seems to me that that's just not possible, but those dreams sometimes are so incredibly real and they tend to make me feel good. They tend to yeah, make me feel good. Feel. Or have you watched a video of your daughter? Do you know what? I'm a, I'm a filmmaker by profession. We have about 45 seconds of video of her. That's all there is. That's awesome. Dancing at a, at my nephew's oh, uh, wedding. Oh, 45 seconds? Seconds. Dancing at my oh. nephew's wedding. That's the only video. We have lots of pictures, but that's the only video we have. So I'm, I know to this day I see all these smartphones and people taking pictures of their kids and taking videos. And I often stop and think to myself, why couldn't we have had, been this far advanced medically, not as, but even technology-wise? So I would have that. Well, before we go to break, I'll just tell you that that spooks me. I don't like taking pictures of my children. My son once said something like, don't take a picture. It's, that's the kind of thing they show on the news the day after. My that's son's, a good point. Spooks me. I can't do it. But we have to take a hard break. So stay tuned because in our next segment, we're going to discuss with Jackie and Willadine how they move forward after so many losses. Forever by the Baby Blue Sound Collective. I think what I love so much about this CD is that some of the songs were inspired by the patients. Many listeners will understand many of the different songs and what they've been inspired by. Our new album will be available on iTunes, Amazon.com, Spotify. I love the fact that the proceeds from this CD are actually going to help those with congenital heart defects. Enjoy the music. Home tonight forever. Heart to Heart with Michael is a presentation of Hearts Unite the Globe and is part of the Hug Podcast Network. Hearts Unite the Globe is a nonprofit organization devoted to providing resources to the congenital heart defect community to uplift, empower, and enrich the lives of our community members. If you would like access to free resources pertaining to the CHD community, please visit our website at www.congenitalheartdefects.com for information about CHD, the hospitals that treat children with CHD, summer camps for CHD survivors, and much, much more. You are listening to Heart to Heart with Michael. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on Michael's program, please email him at michael at hearttoheartwithmichael.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Heart to Heart with Michael. We're talking with Jackie and Willadine about what it's like to lose many family members over a long period of time. 
Jackie, when you look at your grandchildren as the extension of your own children, what does this mean for the future of your family? And I know you have a story here. Uh, Well, I try to, um, my grandkids remember absolutely nothing about their mom and dad. So I try to fill them in as much as I can remember and let them know things about them, show them pictures, show them videos, tell them stories about when they were their age, things they did and said and how they remind me of them. Because otherwise they won't know anything about their parents. You wanted to tell me a story about some magic lotion, I believe. Yeah, it was it was uh, my granddaughter Alexis when she was two is when she lost her dad. And so then it was uh, two years later, so Alexis would have been four. She, uh, My daughter had passed away, and she used to call her Aunt Sissy. So she would go around. When people come to the house after Chrissy had passed away, she said she had some magic lotion that she could rub on them. That it was called passing away lotion. If she put this lotion on you, you would not pass away. It was very sad to think that a four-year-old had been traumatized that much. That speaks volumes about how much loss she had seen by the time she was four. Yes, she it's very saw, tragic. She saw her mother, she saw her uncle, and they were both very young. So what she knew about adults is they could go. Well, she and she was just uh, overwhelmed with me crying. In fact, it was just probably about three or four Christmases ago. She was excited and it called her mom because I was going to put up a Christmas tree. Oh, she had never seen that. Uh, I put up small ones, but I was actually talking. I can't remember telling her about us maybe going Christmas shopping and going to see lights and decorating the house. And she was excited because... I just hadn't really celebrated Christmas much since I lost the kids. Is Christmas a marker for you that, you know, celebrating Christmas again is a sort of a return to normality? Yes, definitely. That's, uh, it's kind of like I've made full circle once because that was our special holiday Christmas Eve. Mm -hmm. So, and I'll be honest with you, it still doesn't. I'm nowhere near where I was at one point, and I don't. I guess I just probably will never be back to that. When people say "Merry Christmas," and I just, mm. I just want to get through it. Let's talk for a second about normality. Um, we mentioned before during a break that um, we go on with what we are. We it's become a part of who we are. How has this loss, how losing two children, become a part of, of who you are now? Well, a lot of times, just say we refer back to 1998, I will say that's back when my life was normal. So I just have that line that I know that was the last normal you know, uh, decade of my life was in the 90s. Um, it, you just have to change as time goes along. You just have to take it one day at a time because if you try to conquer too much, you'll fall on your face. You will not make it. Have your priorities shifted? I know that um, things that used to be important to me are not in favor Absolutely. of a new set of things. Yeah, and you hear people tell, um, oh, I've had a horrible day. My tire went flat, and, and I don't say anything. I'm looking sympathetic, right. but inside yeah. I'm thinking, really? Try getting <laughs> a phone call that your child's not here anymore. Now that is a bad day. <laughs> 
But yeah, if I, a nail I, getting in I your get tire that. is not a bad day. Well, I'll, I'll digress for a second. I once asked um, a bunch of people on the internet to send me some of the weirdest things that had been said about their children who hadn't died. These are children with, with uh, um, heart defects. And it divides, I think, into into stupid and evil. And it's the stupid people that you really have to be nice to because they're reaching in. <laughs> no, 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 I'm serious. They're reaching into their innermost depths to find something painful so that they can relate to you. So you're about to give a child over to heart surgery and they say, oh, I know exactly how you feel. My son had his tonsils out and I was a mess. You smile <laughs> and you say thank you because they're, they're trying. Okay. My wife's former best friend said if I had a kid like yours, I'd kill myself. That's evil, and those are people you just avoid. You see the world completely differently, and, and nobody can relate to it who hasn't been there, I think. Nothing's the same. Nothing. And I tell you, the weirdest thing is when my son passed away, it was spring. It was April fifteenth, two 2000. And I never will forget the birds beginning to chirp. And to this day, when I when spring gets here and you walk out to your car in the morning, and I'll still look up and think, they're still chirping. You know, and it's been 17 years, and those birds still keep chirping. But you have actually done something that's a, a change of priority. You've become a very strong advocate for your family, but also dealing with grief and losing children and, and the precarious future of your grandchildren and your mother and even yourself are all wrapped up in this. You've been an advocate, and you've been trying hard to get other people to be more aware. I can't imagine that you would have done that otherwise, and that that's a real serious change for you. And I'm assuming also that that's one of the things that drives you. Yes, it is. And I feel like if I can get their name out there and I can save a life, then they haven't passed away for no reason. They, if it's helped save a life, then mm -hmm. it is for a reason. When, when Liel, my daughter, died, we, um, we transplanted organs to four separate recipients. And that will never bring her back but that makes me feel that she goes on in a way that's very serious and very real. But and you saved four lives out of it. Exactly. Or helped four people. And we did. And I met, I met a seven-and-a-half-year-old girl who had my daughter's kidney. And I hugged this little girl. Oh. And at, at that moment, my kidney and her kidney were as close as they had ever been in life. I definitely understand that the need to find meaning even in death. And sometimes we can. It's not it's not a happy meeting. It doesn't make me happy that she's gone, but it makes me feel better that we made something good of it. Well, can you tell us what you've done to help your daughter, Jackie, through this difficult time of facing the loss of both of her children? Well, actually, I don't I don't feel like I've done enough. But uh, she lived in one place and I lived in another, but we, we were there for each other. That's that's about all you can say. I, I was grieving too. I still am. But I I think her her whole family was like that. It was such a tragedy for all of us. Yeah, I find our whole family still grieves. I think. Yeah. I've noticed that. I I find a lot of people avoid me. So they don't have to deal with it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, for sure. I see that a lot of people, I will see them posting on Facebook and things, but they don't want to talk to me personally a lot because they have to rehash it or they know that I will speak of it. Or if they talk to me, then Jimmy and Chrissy go to the front of their mind and it's harder to push them to the back. 
you know, Jim and Chrissy was, was, I won't say my favorites, but they were the ones that always gave me the attention. They were <laughs> always there for Grandma. And now I don't have that. My other grandkids are not not affectionate like that. I'm looking at a little statue now that Jimmy gave me when he was a little boy. I said, I love you, Grandma. And he did love me, and I adored him. And little Chrissy would come to my house for the weekends and, and make all kind of messes of cooking and all that stuff. But anyhow, it was it was fun. It's fun to have her. She was a wonderful little girl. I'm so sorry for your losses. As for you, we're sorry for your losses also. It's very difficult. I have a knee-jerk reaction to tell people it's okay. And I think it is okay. I think that it's part of our moving on and part of our wrapping it up and keeping it with us. It's okay now. She's where she is. We're where we are, and we're in that sense together, and we're okay. And maybe we'll be together again one day. I think so. I do. I want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thanks for joining us today. And remember, you can find us anytime on the Hug Podcast Network at www.hugpodcastnetwork.com. And until next time, it's okay to breathe. Thank you again for joining us. We hope you have gained strength from listening to our program. Heart to Heart with Michael can be heard every Thursday at noon Eastern Time. We'll talk again next time when we'll share more stories. If you would like to continue today's discussion, please join us right after the program in the Hug Podcast chat room on Pal Talk. 